So I think the accounting side, which is again, the rear view mirror, that side isn't typically so interesting to an entrepreneur, right? My dad was totally upside down and backwards on that. He couldn't have cared less. He was only forward looking. And that was his Achilles heel, you know, and that's why embezzling was a problem for him multiple times. <laughs> but I think if you start with the business creator is a radical optimist, almost always, he's going to need help thinking and imagining the future. That's what they want to do. Anything you can do to help them imagine the future and then quietly handle the past feels like the right pairing for me for a young startup type founder. We're on every, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we're not promoting us now. They're already listening. You All can right. be on like some random, whatever the Appian we podcast, got, we're so there. That, we're not there and either anybody, anywhere, we do have listeners in every country right now. There's listeners in every not country. every country. No, only eight countries. I could read them off, but I don't have that open. I know that Germany and France and Australia are three of them. <laughs> You have, you, have, you have listeners in every eight countries that are listening to you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know what? And for our German listener, please continue listening. We support you. All right. If you hit subscribe. That would be yeah. pleasantly surprising for you. Hello and welcome. We are all the sons of CPAs. Join us as we question the current state of the accounting and tax industry with the next generation of professionals leading this space. We are all the change agents in an industry fraught with money and inertia. Let's begin the Sons of CPAs with your hosts, Jason Ackerman and Scott Scarano. Beautiful. Let's go, baby. And our, our guest today, Chris right. of Lissio? Chrisio. Well, I hear from the people. We're still Sons of CPAs. You guys rock. I uh, love what you guys are up to. Tell us how you got started in the accounting industry. Sure. So my mom ran a small business in Mountain View, California, health food store, 1970s. And my grandma, who I was living with at the time, did the books. So I grew up with hand ledgers. And this was, you know, in the 70s, right? Hand ledgers, all that kind of thing, going to the bank, vacuum tubes, putting in the deposits. That was kind of always present. I would do the cash register for my mom growing up and that kind of thing too. So numbers are always in play. And then I got a chance to meet my dad. When I was probably like 18 or so, I flew to China. Hong Kong, actually, so it was under British control then, and had a chance to get to know him. And one night, we were driving back from dinner at some nice little harbor restaurant in a place called Saigon. And he points to the, it's nighttime, he points to the top of this hill, and there was a prison there. He says, that's a prison. I said, oh, yeah? He said, yeah, two of my old business partners were there because they embezzled all the money from our company and bankrupted it. And so anyway, we got to talk about my career. At that time, I was getting ready to go to school, and he's like, you should study accounting, because you know accounting, you know the fundamentals of business, so you're not going to get hosed like I did. So, lo and behold, <laughs> really? Santa Barbara, UCSB, yeah. yeah. So, that type of business was it? Wait, wait, hold up. I, go I, back. I, wait, so your dad is in Hong Kong? Yes. Separately, is this like, he's there because of, like, can't, why so my parents got divorced when I was really young. So I was probably one when they split. So I actually didn't know my dad until I was, you know, kind of late in my teens. And he moved all over the world. He, at that time, he was residing in Hong Kong. And he had a business in the New Bank of China. They're selling, this is a good business. They're selling solar-powered lights 
right? This is late eighties. Solar powered lights, you just, they've come on stake. You'd stick them in like your driveway to illuminate it at night automatically. Didn't have to worry about power, that kind of thing. It was manufacturing in China, had a big import export business in Hong Kong and selling in the US. And those business partners in that particular business are the ones that had embezzled from them. And it wasn't the first time. I think he told me two or three stories just like that. My dad was a trusting guy, constantly building new businesses. And yeah. Did you heed your dad's advice because you looked up to his success or because you didn't want to stay out of jail? You know, growing up, you always want to please your parents, right? And especially the parents who aren't around or who don't give you any attention, right? So I had no attention for my dad for like 18 years. So international business was always super appealing to me. Like, oh yeah, hey, I I should get a follow business career. So I got to, to kind of know this guy. And he was like, the foundation of business is accounting, right? And I grew up around bookkeeping and so forth. And he said, look, you understand accounting, you'll always be able to run a better business and stay on top of things. And the things that I've gone through in my career, you won't have to experience. He was one of those guys who was really interested in explaining to me how the business world worked, which was fantastic because I had some opportunities later in my career. I spent a lot more time in Asia doing finance and accounting of all things. And he was able to teach me a lot of those ropes, but I always had this really solid foundation just because of all the accounting and bookkeeping I'd grown up around and studied. So you got your backpack on, you're going to school and you're going yeah, to school. Coolest thing that happened at UC Santa Barbara. Cause I heard that's like the best school to ever go to. We need, we need one, happen? we need one story. Let's see. That's a great, great Santa Barbara story. You can't get fired. It doesn't even have to be great. Yeah. <laughs> it could be mediocre well, story. It's funny. I mean, okay. So here I am, right. You go to Santa Barbara and you think Santa Barbara is a, you know, a real party school. So it is. And everybody there has a really laid back vibe. And so you can't help but pick up the vibe. So I go in for my first interview. It was with Ernst & Young. I had my accounting chops down a little bit, like it's just you would coming out of school. And you sit down for the job interview. So I sit down with a guy from UNY. And thank goodness I had this guy because I did my half-hour pitch of myself. At the end of it, he says, I want to tell you something. You talk like a surfer. If you do that in the accounting profession, you're toast. I said, lose all of that and get serious about yourself, right? And you'll get a job. But because of the way you talk today, there's no way you can come work for us. <laughs> that was literally the feedback I got. So, wow, I, you know, the guy blows me out of my chair. I know I'm not anywhere. I go back, I come back from an next interview with Arthur Anderson, and I get the job. But how awesome is that, right? You have somebody who can have, you know, radical candor, tell you how it is, right to your face, in the moment. And I can't remember his name, and I wish I could, because I would thank him from the bottom of my heart. Because you're a kid. I'm right? sure he made you upset in the moment. It's like, why aren't you giving me a job? Because the way I'm talking. I was too shocked to be upset. I was totally shocked. So what did it mean by you were too, like, you were taught, like, you were too casual? Or was it like, yeah, actually your casual. accent? No, I was just too casual. I think, you know, Santa Barbara, you just, you, you were too laid back. Show. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. he wanted to say stoner. He didn't say, uh, maybe he didn't want to say stoner. He said surfer, you know? Like, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. I didn't even I don't smoke know. To it's a laid know? back. Yeah, I know. It's more of a yeah. laid back vibe, though. And it's like, you know, eh, whatever. You know, I'll get the next job. And I think that that probably served you well because you're thanking him and you're not, you know, you're not upset that he didn't see two dimensions of you, right? Yeah, it's great. It was exactly what I needed. It was exactly what I needed at that time. But Santa Barbara is a great place. You grow up literally in the sun all day. You know, I didn't even know a pair of pants that I would wear shorts every day. Dead broke living on the beach, having a great time and learning things. So great school. So you don't end up at Ernst & Young. Didn't end up there, right? I ended up at Arthur Anderson, which is wonderful. Back home in Silicon Valley, working on 
magnificent accounts. Oracle was my biggest account, you know, just amazing software companies and so forth, which really set the tone for the next stage of my career. Great place to be, great place to be at that time. So yeah. I rode in the, in the elevator with Larry Olson once, and it's just him and me. We're in the 500 building there, and we're going up, and I'm looking at him saying, I should say something. Couldn't say anything. <laughs> you know, tongue tied, <laughs> you know, off the floor, officially. Well, you didn't have your elevator pitch ready on that on that ride. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have your okay. The, the the, so if you were on the elevator now, and you wanted to pitch Lysio, 30 seconds, what would you say? I'd say, hey, Larry, you know, you all these accounts working for you. They're in a lot of pain. They're in a lot of pain today. And there's going to be a software company that's going to come in there and fix it because accountants want to love their jobs very, very deeply. And I tell you, Larry. There's one thing that's preventing us today, and we know exactly what it is. We're going to solve it. Can you help us? Ah, you yeah. didn't even say anything there. You can't even get into it. But he knows it. Everybody knows. I mean, if you look at accounting, and accountants, public accountants rate themselves at or near the very bottom of job satisfaction year after year. Right? Go look at the job surveys. They're coming back saying you know, that their job is worse on a pure ratings basis, worse than a cashier, worse than a security guard, and worse than a customer service rep. Right? And how many times have you talked to an accountant saying, this is the last year I want to do that? And it happens all the time. I think we're surrounded by peers saying, this is a really, really tough year, at least relative to other professions. Well, we like our jobs. I like my job. So I'm sure I'm going to set you up with this. But why do you think that CPAs are so unhappy? So what we need to know about CPAs and profession is it's two jobs in one. The first job is the accounting work. And that's the part we all like. We can sit down knock out all the accounting, feel great about it. Super. That's what we signed up for. The other job, the second job, the job within the job is all the administrative stuff that happens. Gathering documents from clients, 40% of the job, chasing people down, getting stuff late, all that administrative work bogs us down. What if we can get rid of that and stick to the accounting, right? That's what we're up to here. But I hear somebody yelling. Yeah. I think it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry about my kids. <laughs> let, me, let me pause and see what's going on. Oh, God. Scott. Hold on. What is that noise? We got people doing some lawn work outside, but that's okay because we're talking about reach reporting right now. We're not talking about lawn work then. <laughs> no. This is our reach reporting ad. You've never built a report like what Reach can offer because you've never had such an easy access to all your financial data before. I feel like uh, I already know how to use this product and I haven't started using it. <laughs> you want a product that you can use right away because if it takes a lot of time to, to do it, accounts don't have that time. Well, we also don't want to learn new things. A lot of times we just want something to work right out of the box because we spent our whole lives learning new things. We don't want to learn something new when it comes to reporting. We know what we want the report to look like, and now we just want it to be effortless. I think Reach does that. You can build any metric that you want. So using itself, but with live accounting data. Live accounting data. God, That's pretty accountants cool. love that. They do. They love Excel. Joining yeah. live data, Excel-like functionality, and gorgeous presentation. You know, it's like Word, Excel, PowerPoint all working together. Reach is the Microsoft suite of reporting. <laughs> suite. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. The clients <laughs> will absolutely love the reports that I will send them. But it takes minutes to build and create. 
So basically, it's not gonna take you that much time and you're gonna be able to give them fantastic reports. So for our firm, at least, the success of our advisory services really relies on a strong relationship and strong relationships start with communication. You can't just give them data without the visuals, right? They need the visuals. Clients yeah. get a deep understanding of their financial situation. And reporting for clients is tough for a bunch of reasons. It is tough because every client's a little different. So you need a software that can help you standardize some processes and create beautiful reports. And that's what reached us. Yeah. The dashboards and reports that kind of tell a story, that turn your custom reports into templates you can automate. I love the customization for their reports too. You can customize your branding. They basically white label everything. You like custom Jordans. I do you like custom, custom Jordans. And you like your custom reporting. Custom Jordans and custom reporting. I can't fathom what they're gonna do next. <laughs> so go to reachreporting.com and check them out. Reach reporting, complex data made simple. How'd you transition from knowing you wanted to do accounting to more of the tech, you know, working for tech companies? Tech is awesome because it changes so much and so fast. And so whether it was Oracle or whether it was Stratacom or any of these companies I was working on, I would get to go in there and learn their business. And it's, it's just amazing because you could, the act of creation, the act of building just seems so rewarding that it really kind of set me up for this notion that, hey, wouldn't it be great to actually turn the desks around a little bit here and be a builder, be a creator, right? And certainly with my dad doing that, you know, his whole life, my mom having her own business as well, it just felt like a pretty natural transition. So did you always know? So it sounds like you always knew that you weren't going to do the accounting. You were kind of getting the, the language of business in and you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think that was always there. It was always there. I always wanted to go get my MBA and all that kind of thing, but it's, uh, it really kind of came to be. So tell us about the first jump when you left uh, Arthur Anderson. Sure, went to a company that was, it's actually one of the guys I was working at Arthur Anderson with. His dad was a corporate controller of a semiconductor company. And this is in the mid nineties where semiconductors were really a great place to be. And so I jumped to a company that was a digital video semiconductor company. And we had 99% of the world's market share for digital video encode and decode. So if you had a, you had a DVD player, if you had EchoStar, Dish, or any of those kinds of systems, right? Or any kind of digital media in the home, chances are that it was our encode and decode that was running all that. So the company was going straight vertical and they needed a lot of help. So I jumped over as a financial planning and analysis person. I had a chance to keep my hands really on a lot of the accounting, a lot of the finance stuff, but from a different lens, I was able to take a look at businesses from a forward looking as well as, you know, rear view accounting perspective. Ah, awesome. Forward versus rear, the heat of, of the matter these days with accountants, right? You see a lot of accountants and you see a lot of that backward facing um, aspect of it, right? I do. And I, what I love about what I'm seeing is a lot of people are talking about creating business niches, right? They're, they're going to get into a specific vertical, understand it well, service as well. And I think it's great for marketing and sales perspective, but more importantly, the ability to have pattern recognition around what your client is seeing. If you have a portfolio of clients all doing the same thing and you see one that's doing something a little bit differently, it might be better, it might be worse, right? Either way, you're going to learn a lot from that and be able to provide better services to the other people in the similar vertical. And that's going to be a ton of value add there, right? So I got the chance to learn semiconductors as my first. And so whether it was Intel, AMD, 
you know, whatever it is, I could look at the, at the P&L and say, okay, I have a better understanding of what's happening inside the business just by looking at the numbers, much less getting the deeper operational metrics that accountants are going to have access to. I think the value add going forward is going to be from a lot of accountants who understand and can recognize the patterns in particular business types very clearly. So bridging that gap between the backwards and the forwards, right? Chris is a futurist, but he has the back knowledge and the history to, you know, provide that futurism, so to speak. I don't view, view it as a, yeah, I, I just view it as, as pattern recognition. We see the same things playing over and over and over, you know, in so many different businesses and so many parts of our lives, et cetera, that once you see the pattern, it's easy to say, okay, this pattern usually leads to that. And that's, you know, I think really something that we can all do, right? You know, mm -hmm. There's no nothing futuristic about what I'm doing. I'm just saying something saying, oh, that, that looks. Well, let's, let's say logical reasonist, <laughs> like the person that can use logical reason to then predict what should be next in a market that's kind of stuck. Like, I, I think there's a lot of people that are stuck in where they're at and they can't see the next step forward. Yeah, I think it's that plus radical optimism. Aha, <laughs> uh <-huh, laughs> yes. You know, I'm full of hope and wanting to see things change. And, you know, why not? Why not give things a try? Yeah. So how did Lysio come? Bridging from where you started to then Lysio. That's literally what I just said. All right. I don't know how much I missed when I stepped let, away. Let for Chris talk. Let Chris talk. Okay. So Lysio. So prior to Lysio, I founded a company called Tally and Spring Ahead. And what we were doing is basically it was time tracking all the way to invoicing. Who'd you sell Tally to? We merged it into Nexania, which is now part of Inverse. So that space was consolidating quickly. So we merged in, I became the CEO of that organization. And what, what I was noticing at that point was if you look at all the technology the accountants get, it's all back office, right? So you think about all these wonderful applications we're using, they're all used by the accountants directly. And a lot of times they'll have like a client facing component, or maybe for expense reports, you get a client facing app, what have you. But in general, what's happening about how clients are communicating with accounting firms hasn't changed. It's email. That's the primary, right? And people are doing a lot of texting now because the three of us, if we're hanging out and talking, we're not going to talk much on email, right? It's going to happen on a text stream or maybe a Slack or a Teams channel, something like that. So what we see is email year on year is having lower and lower quality conversations, even as volume goes up to more marketing stuff going to email than ever. And we've all kind of left to bespoke platforms for the intended purpose. So the observation was, look, you see all this investment in terms of the back office productivity side of the house, but what's the most important part of an accountant's business? It's a client relationship. Clients don't really care whether or not you use a QuickBooks or a Xero, right? Or any other, pick any tax platforms. Clients don't care. What they want is they want to have great service with you when they want it, right? And email is not going to be that venue. Text messaging is not going to be that venue. A tax portal is not going to be that venue. And so what there has to come, what has to come along is a way that you can provide an amazing online experience that is every bit as good as what they're doing in their personal financial lives. So if you think about Chase Bank or think about Bank of America, right? We can deposit our checks, get our financial statements, get our tax statements, et cetera. We can do everything in the app. And what's beautiful about that is when you, you think about not only the benefit to the client, but the cost savings to the firm, it's out of this world, right? We're no longer standing in bank lines, taking a bunch of our time, and banks don't have to staff nearly as highly as they used to. 
So the operational efficiency goes way up. And when you translate that into the accounting world, it's really clear. Accountants are bandwidth limited in terms of their hours in the day, and that puts a cap on their earnings, right? So if you can solve a lot of that administrative work, clients aren't calling in again, asking to resend documents. Clients are being automatically reminded to send things in and can do it very quickly using scanner apps on the phone. All that kind of stuff is, is more or less frictionless, right? If you can deliver that kind of experience, then the administrative work goes away. Revenue per employee goes way up. Client satisfaction is way up. Wow. Seems really obvious, right? Well, there wasn't really any investment in that side. Everybody in the, has been focused on the accounting side of accounting rather than on the administrative side of accounting, which is really where we're attacking. I guess solving the front office creates a bridge between the front and the back office too. We have not done a good job of harnessing the clients that are calling people's cell phones that are then texting or not responding to any emails and everything that we send them is getting buried. So they don't necessarily have a proper inbox for us. Their inbox is the same inbox they use for everything. I, I'm sure Ackerman is probably tired of people asking for their tax return. They don't really have a clear place to go. They may go to their box account and, and do that, but that's a separate app. You know, he's using separate solutions for an all encompassing problem of communication. That's right. You can't send a large file over email. So the delivery becomes an issue. Clients don't log into the tax portal very well. So now we have a lot more tech support we're doing. Clients can't lose, they lose things, et cetera. And then we can't get things signed over email. We have to use a DocuSign or some other e-sign platform. Clients don't want to use email. They get lost in it. So we end up having to call them and text them and follow up and do a whole bunch of things, right? And email is like, if a client doesn't respond to email, what do you do? Well, you send them another email, <laughs> right? And it didn't work the first time. Let's try it again. And so that creates a lot of this whole. That's what firms do is they set up different email addresses and they, they create client email addresses. They're thinking, okay, well now we've just personalized it for them, or we've, we've created a, sec a second spoke just for that client. And then they create, you know, 500 spokes, one for each one of their clients. And then everybody's lost. They don't know where to go. They don't know where yeah. to connect that stuff. You know, that's. Yeah. Take your bank, take your bank, whatever bank you're using and imagine the mobile app experience you have right now and say, look. We're going to trade that mobile app in and we're going to trade, trade that online browser experience in. We're going back to email with a whole bunch of other horizontal solutions. We have to have a bespoke client focused, super awesome experience that matches what they're doing everywhere else in their life. And accounting hasn't had it because, you know, let's face it. None of us have budgets like DMA and budgets like Chase. We just don't. So we have to patch work together all these different systems to work with practice management, to work with email, to work with text, you know, it just becomes way too much. So something has to come by, rationalize all that and collapse the client facing app stack. That's really, that's really the deal. And when you cl collapse that app stack, you become much more secure. You're not sending links all over the place, right? You're going to be in compliance with what is it? Publication 4557, which says no more SSNs, no more EINs, no more client sensitive data on email, right? The regulatory tailwinds are blowing. GDPR is obviously huge in Europe, same kind of a deal. So there's a security aspect, a convenience aspect, and there's an efficiency aspect all for the firm and for the clients. So Ackerman, this has been a long elevator ride. Do you know, do you know what Lissio does now? Um, it does some sort of tax thing. No, I'm just kidding. I, I actually, there's a firm in our town that uses Lissio. Yeah. So I've known, you guys have been around for a couple of years at least. Um, my question from an accounting perspective, when you're starting, you have, it's basically a startup. How many employees do you have? Oh, right now? Yeah. So we've got 
about 40 people working on the problem now. So how many, so when you started it and you're, and you're growing, how did the accounting side of your, the accounting background help you with the startup? Product market fit. You have to know what your clients want, right? So it's kind of one of those deals where how many times have you seen somebody who's outside of the profession try to start an accounting related thing? It usually doesn't work nearly as well as like, look at Rene Lassert. He always, he'll go out and he'll tell you his story with bill.com, right? He knows the accounting space incredibly well, totally devoted to it. Did and he create a tax awesome. platform too? Uh, certainly might've, yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, pay cycle. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's in the blood, right? And so, yeah, you got to know the problem super well, and you have to have really good financial discipline because software companies, well, just about any company, right? The companies only fail because they run out of cash, right? So the kind of background is really, really good for making sure you keep uh, all the tires on the ground, right? So when you're setting up your back office, like what, what were the things that you made sure you did the, to make the company run better? I'm just thinking about this for someone who's listening, who's a CPA and they're thinking like they have a bunch of clients that are startups. Like how can, how can your, like, I'm sure you have a CPA firm that's helping you. Like what did they do or what did you do to like help you succeed? So I did everything myself for the first several years because cash was at such a premium. I'm like, look, of the things that are going to kill us, it's not going to be the accounting. The things that yeah. are going to kill us early. Well, you, so you're one of the bad clients. You come to a, a CPA firm late. Well, I could be a, I could be a great client because by the time I come to you, I'm in. You have a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A great plan. I can afford it. I know the value of it. And also you have a business that's actually running. Like I, I, I don't think he's one of the bad clients. I think it's more of, he doesn't need. Well, you have an accounting background, so you know what you're doing. There's a lot of low level stuff that accountants can pick up for businesses that they don't necessarily want to handle or can and can stomach it. So I think, you know, Chris, did you, did, can you speak on that? Like more of when you started, did you see the needs, the needs of a business, you know, tend to be in the beginning, I do need somebody to do my taxes because I don't know all the laws that they can take advantage of. Right. Or do absolutely. You, yeah. Yeah. I, you, I, I, I view, you know, mistakes I made. I did make a lot of mistakes in this. My last company, I was an S corp, not a C corp, which I'd known because I could have got taken advantage of qualified small business tax credit. Right. You know, and that's like a gigantic free tax write off. You know, navigating all the PPP stuff and all the government money. I mean, you, you see how much value that CPA firms are adding to small businesses that they would otherwise not be aware of. It's going to help them hugely planning for an exit and planning to meet current cash flow needs, et cetera. So I think the accounting side, which is again, the rear view mirror, that side isn't typically so interesting to an entrepreneur, right? My dad was totally upside down and backwards on that. He couldn't have cared less. He was only forward looking. And that was his Achilles heel, you know, and that's why embezzling was a problem for him multiple times. <laughs> but I think if you start with the business creator is a radical optimist, almost always is going to need help thinking and imagining the future. That's what they want to do. Anything you can do to help them imagine the future and then quietly handle the past feels like the right pairing for me for a young startup type founder. I love that. So, so what's something that happened? Like you said, the C Corp S Corp thing, but what's some, what's a couple other things that happened early that you think were mistakes that if you had a good advisor could have helped you? I think there's so many things about how businesses can be run the right way from day one. 
that accountants can do at an incredibly affordable cost today that we couldn't have thought about. Jason, I think when you look at, particularly in today's environment, in today's environment, we're going to be hiring people anywhere, right? This whole work anywhere thing, I think, mm -hmm. personally think has major legs. We're not going to go back to the office five days a week if the employees have something to say about it, which they likely do, right? So that means we're in this labor pool right now where any of us can be anywhere and we can access the best possible talent, which means we have to do various state filings everywhere, right? We have to register in how many different states just on the employment side. What about sales taxes? I think a lot of people are doing business cross border, you know, interstate commerce is real. How many people are paying sales taxes today interstate and what's their plan to either do that or remediate it, right? You go take it a layer deeper. What about business insurance, right? Are, are, are business founders thinking about general liability, think about cyber, think about all this stuff? Maybe, maybe not. What about HR practices? Are they thinking about background checks? Are they thinking about, you think about all the chairs you need to have around the room that CPAs are really well equipped for? There are a ton, right? And so we start to think about, hey, look, let me actually under, let me ask you a few things. What are you doing? Are you, are you operating multiple states? Are you planning on hiring multiple states? Yes or no? The second you get a yes on those, you immediately have really interesting topics to dive into that are expand the thinking and expand the value set for the end client. Well, those are the two big things too when you go to sell, Lysio. If you're not doing sales tax or the stuff correctly, that's just going to lower your valuation. That's like one of the biggest things we're seeing. So it's important that you do that correctly. And it's really hard to fix, especially if you're at that sale point when you haven't filed a sales tax return in California for seven years. Like that's a lot of risk on the buyer and that's going to lower your valuation. Uh, seriously, and here's the secret, right? We all, any business founder is getting email, not email, pardon me, we're getting snail mail from every regulatory body out there, right? Whether it's the IRS or anything like that, that mail they want to make go away. And I know Scott, you've talked about earth class mail or whatever, but taking the physical business mail related to accounting off of the founder is such a monster value add. Say, hey, look, you know, I know you're getting X, Y, and Z items in the mail. Are you tired of that? Yes. <laughs> because what is it? It hits the desk and it sits there, right? How many people have you come, you know, to you saying, hey, I got this shoe box full of junk. Can oh, yeah. help me? Too late. Well, we actually did day one, which is... I mean, what if, what if Lysio could do that too? Who cares who does it, right? It's got kind of a punch. Of, I know you're going to, the IRS is going to send stuff to your house, right? Or to your place of business. Let's fix that today. Send it yeah. to me. We're going to open the mail. We're going to make sure everything's timely filed. Done. I love that. So, I don't know if I want to get everybody's mail, but I do want to come up with a solution to make sure that all of that stuff is already at a PDF that they can punch it to us. You know, so we got our punch list to say, here's this one, do this, and then get it to us. I think that it's like a, a laundry list of. Things. I would pay $500 yeah. more a month to not have to open and not have to see anything in my inbox or my, my mailbox wow. that has to do with. Seriously. It's stressful. I love that. Right? Oh, yeah. But you're taking away the stress of that. And that's the only mail people get is from the government agency. We say any piece of that mail, send it to us anyway. Yeah. That's the key. I, I love mean, that. Like, what, what are we really here? What's the business really about? Right. And so use technology to tackle the admin, but you got to get the stressor, the initial stressor off of the business owner. And that's how you keep it for life in my case. And what are the big stresses these days is they don't want, they don't want the unknown on their back. They want to be able to sleep better because they know that part of their business is being handled. Well, I think Absolutely. what's, what's interesting and like your comment on this, it's like, you know, the clients are used to like this high tech stuff 
but like us accountants, we're dealing with very low tech government agencies, and we're kind of like the bridge. We're the we're the middle person to that, right? We're the bridge like, between the past like and the you, future. Like you, <laughs> that's like what we you are. Get that, you, you get that letter. You you're like, we got to fax something in. I don't. Know. When's the last time I faxed something? <laughs> you know. So and then, but you so like, you've kind of created. I think that's why accountants are like so slow to adapt to things because they're. The government, they're still having to deal with the government in these like outdated, mundane ways. And it's just hard to like, I, we'd love to be able to email the IRS or go on a portal or something, but it's just not there. I hope we never do. I hope they skip that part of the mad madness. They skip email and they go somewhere else. <laughs> they have so, a portal. So what would you, Just I'll let you comment on that before I ask my next question. Yeah. What do you think about IRS and email? Well, the IRS is not going to email you anything anymore, right? They're just saying it's over. Too much, too much fishing, um, and too much bad action. So, they're, so they're before saying, they could get into email, like because they'd never really got into email in my day. Um, I don't know if they did prior to me, but like it, I never had a situation where I could e email the IRS, and that's because by the time they finally got there, it was too late. Well, email's the wrong venue, right? Email is open to everybody, right? So it's the email is never intended to be for sensitive communication. It's open literally the entire world and you can't stop it from being open the entire world, right? So we have to recognize that email was meant as literally just a quick text messenger, if you will, that was entirely open. And then over time it got weaponized by adding hyperlinks, which can go anywhere, right? By adding attachments, which can be poison PDFs, all the kinds of different things, right? And there's all the spear phishing and the person is CEO impersonation. You guys know all the kinds of wire fraud, everything that's happening on email. The IRS knows that very, very clearly. And every year for the last how many years, right? They've put out the IRS dirty dozen, which is don't do business on email. So I don't think we're going to see suddenly the IRS is going to be like, Hey, look, we're going to have this, you know, great uh, email solution. They're going to move to a portal. I got to imagine. And I think you've seen they're spending billions to modernize their tech, but the portal is likely going to have some really interesting ways of authenticating, whether it's FIDO2 or what have you, it's going to be a closed circuit system with good authentication on both ends, obviously a secure wire. And that's, that's obvious. So I think we're going to, we're going to see that modernization. It's moving at whatever speed the government can, uh, can generate there, but it, it's certainly coming. Sounds like they need a Lysio. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I think they have one. There's e-services. Yeah. Yeah. They, I was just thinking about it. Like they, they do have a very good e-services that they're trying to build out, and I'm able to go on there. I don't think like very good is how I would describe e-services. IRS has something that means it's very good. Let's <laughs> encourage them and not discourage them. Okay? Yeah. I don't think they are listening. They have any services. So the way this one's going to work is they gave us a script. We're going to read a script, and then we're going to talk about our experiences. Let's go. More than 5,000 accounting and bookkeeping firms across the world of all sizes use Practice Ignition to send powerful online proposals to get paid automatically and manage ongoing client engagements in one place. With access to hundreds of ready-made templates with built-in digital signatures and engagement letters, you'll feel confident knowing you're delivering a clear scope of work. Plus, by offering your clients easy upfront payment options, you'll be able to free up your cash flow that gets reconciled into your QuickBooks or Xero automatically. So what'd you use before Practice Edition? Oh, so we had a PDF that we would put together 
And you were so proud of that PDF too. I was so proud of the PDF. The PDF actually was just a display of your three options, but it would take forever to put together. And it wasn't just that. We had two different payment systems. We had to keep up with AR and Zero. We weren't really using Zero to send all the proposals. Some proposals were in Zero. It was all over the place. What about you? What a mess. We did everything on Word documents and sent it through EchoSign. And then we had to set up a bill. We were actually using FreshBooks to bill. So I think for us, we've been on Practice Ignition for about two years. And I've referred to it in the past as the heart of our tech stack, more or less, because before somebody's a client, they're in something else, they're in HubSpot. And then after they're a client, it pushes from Practice Ignition to two different spokes. It goes to zero, it goes to carbon. Because zero and carbon don't talk to each other, this is perfect because it keeps things unified. Yeah, and it just saves you a ton of time and keeps everything standard. And if you, if you need to do a new proposal for a new client, you just think of a client that is similar to, copy it, put in their stuff, it takes two minutes, send it out to them, then you're getting an ACH credit card in two minutes, you're getting paid. There's a ton of customization too. When you wanna to put together a proposal, you can do those three options like I was doing on my PDF. You can do yeah. that, you can create templates, you can have variable pricing, you can have fixed pricing, you can have hourly rates, anything that way that you price, you can do that in practice ignition. Yeah, and I'll just tell you from our perspective, it's. We used to have $400,000 of AR all the time. Now we have $20,000 of AR. It's just so cut down on our AR. So <laughs> clients are, they're pains in the asses. But now, Price Edition solves for most of that. So for a limited only, Price Edition is offering 25% off your first year. If you're ready for a single source of truth for your clients, head on over to Price Edition and use the code to get started for free. I don't know what our code is. We don't we'll, have a code. We'll just assume it's Sons of CPAs. Yeah. If if the code is Sons of CPAs, type that in there. If not, just mention us, I guess. Yeah. So what we you you spoke about the table. You know, accountants need a list of of different people that they can bring to the table. What is the perfect size of that table? What's a good size Who's table? Who's at the table? Who is at the table? Oh, the key functions are, are clearly HR, right? Because how much trouble can you get in with HR? Just, just huge. So you got to handle that. And the, I think we got to look at tax probably in uh, however you want to look at it, but certainly income tax side, but go, go more, um, get deeper, right? What's, what's happening with state and local taxation, right? Are you handling, are you handling the entire tax planning side as well? So all the forward looking. So I think a lot of people are saying, look, I can punch numbers. I can punch circle numbers into a turbo tax wrong. That's too late. You got to be way ahead of this. So HR, tax, I think the FP&A side is interesting, particularly if you can help them recognize patterns. And if you look at what so many software companies are trying to do is they're trying to get you to connect your QuickBooks account to their data set, to fill their data set in and to point out how operational metrics are better or worse than, right? They want to do that just using, you know, algorithms, right? But I think the value of this in a human it's going to be, hey, look, I know this. I've seen these patterns before. And for you, a tailored approach might be, right? So the FP&A side's going to be big. And then you have the whole accounting and bookkeeping side. So at least four. I love that. So if you're if you're a accounting firm listening to this and you're thinking about Lysio, but you, you don't know where to start, you don't know how it's going to help, what would you say? Like me. Take me. Oh, you want the uh, uh, Yeah, super easy. 
So yeah, if you're not using Listio today, there's uh, chances are a couple things, right? You know, first of all, start with how much time, like Jason, how much time are you and your team spending chasing clients for documents? Chances are it's a lot, right? Could be 20%, could be 40%, somewhere in there. It's a day or two a week. Huge amount of non-recoverable, non-billable time. Second, are clients asking to text you? Like Jason, are you texting any of your clients? Of course. Yeah, you can't do that. It blows up your personal life, no compartmentalization. Even worse for you, nobody else can see it, right? So all of a sudden you have to be a main point of contact for anybody. Otherwise you have this serious communication silo. If your staff are texting, it's even worse because if they leave the firm, they're gonna take those clients with them. So we have to start breaking down these silos. So from efficiency standpoint, from silo standpoint, and from a client convenience standpoint, do your clients care about any of your back office tech? Probably not. They do care about how they feel in the moment. Are you making it super easy for them? And if you're using email and text, et cetera, they're probably getting lost. They're, and you can tell they're getting lost if they're calling you saying, I can't find this document, or I can't find this communication thread, or can you help me log in to my systems, right? If you, any of those things are happening, you're getting interrupted, you're getting taken out of flow, and it means your client isn't successful. So they're getting frustrated. They can only reach you during business hours. So if those things are happening, which is happening for 99% of accounting firms out there, then we have to say, look, there's a better way. So let's go work on the better way. And that's what Missio is all about. I have some technical questions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so like, you know, Carbon does this for email. That's what we use now. So like, how does, how does the tech, like, and text messaging is really like, what I want. We have a way to text messages via our phone system, but so like, yeah, I mean, so do we too. It's almost like you have a lot, a menu of a different things that you have to choose from and it's, you're not making it effortless for your team to communicate with clients. I know what you're thinking about you. I'm thinking well, about no, for, for the no, team. It's, it, we have a way to text message. We just don't have a way to, to see everyone else's text message very easily. Right. So for your team, and when I say your team, I'm talking about from the admin person to the next person in line to the person that's preparing the tax and the person that might have touched the accounting. You don't have a way to see that clearly in carbon, right? Correct. Yes. You're, looking, only you're does, just looking only does emails. for a lot of the data. So yep. you don't or have. Notes. Right. You have to, if, if they touch you, you have to put it in a note manually. I think that's a friction point for the team. For the client, what if the client can see all of it? What if the client can see? all of that too all of their communication with with each pars person in the team like why do we have to hide their communication from them what if they want to go back and you want to go back and say remember when you said this four or five weeks ago but my question is how how does how does the texting in lysio sit on top of carbon does it go back into carbon every time someone taxes how does that work yeah that part's all, all the stuff that so we started with carbon with this notion of get to a single database of contact and account or organization of people in, in their parlance so that's the foundation the next thing we're doing is when let's say you have uh, a task that gets triggered in the carbon workflow it's going to fire a message out through lysio lysio over time right now we send a mobile notification and an email and then we can learn based on whether or not they got the mobile notification we tell whether or not they were able if they logged in and so forth if they haven't we tell based on the due date, et cetera, and what they are seeing and aren't seeing, we could fire off automatically, for example, a text message to them saying, hey, log in Lysio, you have something here that's really important and time sensitive, right? And that always brings them back to one place. And that's the key. Because we try to solve each thing individually, like, hey, no, we got this text message saying that'll fire off, but now you have to check the text line. 
Now you have this email thing that fires off. Now we have these signs happening somewhere else. And you have secure file transfer happening yet again in other place. Think about it, not only on the firm side, but also on the client side. The clients have smoking wreck at that point. They can't find anything, which leads to more calls back to the firm. What we're doing is saying, look, over time with, uh, with Carbon, we want to embed the Lissio experience and allow and join the task and message features to sync with one another so now you can get the whole picture. And so that's, that's exactly what we're building right now. If you look at the Lissio logo, you have a merging of, so you've got the pink outward facing side and you get the blue inward facing time. I see that as the blue inward is more of your back office, your carbon. The pink outward is your front office, your archetype of the front office of, hi, what can I do for you today? And that one person is a Swiss army knife of anything that they can do for that client that walked in. Now, what if you had that virtually? I think that's what Lissio is, is virtually front office for carbon or Jetpack or another one that you might be working, working with rather than having exactly. a phone and an email that's probably connected to Microsoft or Google, but you've got things that are connected to a lot of different places. And what really all you want. Yeah, what tax software are you using, Ackerman? CCH AdSess. Yeah, so are you, are you shipping tax returns to clients using the access portal? No, God, no. Would never use that piece of shit. <laughs> we use safe so, send returns yep. to send. But, the, extent, so the, thing, yeah. the problem is, and I'm sure like this is what you're realizing, it's like we've got all these things. They don't talk very well to each other, but and we need that. We need the Lysio to like bring them all together. So like if we use safe send, the tax return stays there. If we if we send if we're using Gusto payroll or whatever, it goes through there and everything kind of merges in one place. And it's just hard. Like none of the traditional like CCH their API sucks. It's very hard to like, get so like Lysio itself isn't everything for everybody, but it, it's open. And I, a lot of apps can port into it. Like a lot of the ones you mentioned, Christian. Yeah. Cause I, I agree with that. You're exactly right, Scott, because if you think about it this way, Jason, firms are going to be full service, right? We're talking about, you have to put really the client in this awesome bubble, right? So tax CCH, but your client accounting services didn't have anything to do with CCH or safe set. Yeah. Right. So you got to ship financials a different way. And so that's one of the things that makes the accounting vertical in particular a really interesting one is you have to be you have to provide a front end that can cross all of the back office service categories, tax, audit, client accounting services, advisory, if you do HR, et cetera. You have to have something that cuts across all of them, which is why you have to have this master layer that's willing to work best to breed with anything. So we build all the tooling that allow you to do that. That's what really sets us apart. I love so it. We have a way you can send directly from CCH. You get a button in CCH that will shoot the tax return with all the instructions, all that kind of stuff, categorized, using machine learning and so forth, straight to the client. And you can do the same thing on a QuickBooks, you'd do the same thing on Zero, et cetera. So, love that. Where do you see Lysio in five years? Everything's going to end up in the same place, which is we've already exchanged millions and millions of documents and we have really structured, really highly curated documents because we're only dealing with accountants. It's the ability to take anything on the inbound or on the outbound and automatically do a lot of the admin on it. So easy example would be auto-generated request list based on prior year's tax return. If you can read that when the client starts submitting stuff against it, let's say they submit accidentally something from 2019, we could detect the, that anomaly in the moment and tell the client this looks like 2019, not 2021. Would you like to replace it? Think about all that stuff that would normally be an admin function which happened late in the game, 
happening immediately up front upon using the upload or the digital scanner from the phone. Algorithms. Yeah. I think you've hit like, you've hit a very, like what you're trying to solve because we kind of do stuff a little bit different here. Just we still meet with clients with their tax returns, but firms have gone away from that. And I've never understood that because it makes the process a lot harder because you're trying to get all these documents and do all these things. And like you're trying, you're, you're circling the wagons. So you're so Ackerman is solving the in-person problem, right? I think Ackerman froze, but you know, he meets people in person to all of their different apps and he's guiding them. And I think his time is a little more valuable than being a personal secretary for the client that's sitting in front of him. And, you know, and their time is a little more valuable to not have to drive to your office in the rain. He is totally frozen. <laughs> it's, well, I love like, that though. You know, like they, I don't think the client really wants to drive out there unless they want to have a nice conversation and a beer. And he does offer them beer. He has a he has a little um he has a little break room with the beer. They can sit down and have a chat while they're while they're sitting there looking stuff up. I think there's a there's a certain finesse to being able to still do that the right way. Also, being able to handle all the back office stuff. I would love to go. Jason's my guy, right? I would love to go over there and have a beer with him. You know, I've got the time and all that kind of thing for sure. For sure, I'd go do that. And I think that's the right model. I think the right model is you offer great in person and great digital services. And it's just exactly the same winning formula for any top bank, right? It's not like Chase ripped out all their locations. We can still go see them when we want it, when we need to, right? Yeah. And so, but we want a great online experience. We got it. We want a great in-person experience. We got it. Same thing with all these investment wealth managers, et cetera. The world is moving to build the service set around the customers you want. And that's exactly what, what Lysio plus a great in-person experience is going to do. Home run for the clients. And to his point, if somebody is in person and their computer freezes, it doesn't matter, you know, like they're still there. So if somebody's virtual and their computer's frozen, they're gone forever. <laughs> there's there's a certain aspect of everything being virtual that you still know that you're reliant on that technology. And when that goes down, if Amazon servers go down. So what is Lysia running on? Which servers is Lysia running on? Amazon. AWS? Yeah. yeah. So it's like a lot of our a lot of our app partners are on AWS. So we know that one Aztec temple is the AWS and the Montezuma is Jeff Bezos and he can turn that shit on off if he wants. So when Cortez comes and takes out Bezos, the whole Aztec falls down, right? The whole the whole temple drops. I was just thinking in terms of we're all reliant on something and he's trying to find the best of both worlds. And he's trying to bridge the gap on all that. And a lot of other firms are too, because they want to bridge the old and the new. And the new is some clients and a lot of newer clients do prefer to just fire that off. And they don't want to sit down and have a beer. There are other clients that want to sit down and have a beer outside of all the tax talk. You know, they want to make sure that stuff's done. Then if you still have an hour to meet with them and chat, that's so much more valuable than meeting with them and also making them frustrated because they can't log into their bank because you know they don't have the password and they can't get a hold of their wife it's like you know for for that one mortgage statement that they can't get then all of a sudden now they leave your office you can do everything on the return except for getting that one piece of information and now there's that open loop and that you know hanging chad that's that's on there and that you can't finish counting the votes because you still need to make sure that that one has been cast so so to speak that's right. That's right. I think, you know, everybody, what we know, the market is segmented, right? So we got a lot of people who are going to offer 
you know, really high touch in-person service. A lot of people are going to be pure remote and there's going to be a whole rainbow in between that people are trying to, you know, bridge both. I think the key here is if we are working digitally, then we have to look for a digital experience that's going to be good. I'm not saying Listio is the only one out there, but I'm saying that there is a benefit to having players in the market who are really hyper-focused on accountants and only accountants because like a DocuSign and, you know, you kind of pick your DMS or whatever. If they're in a million different segments, how do they ever go deep in helping us solve the problem, right? And if we want to use them, because they're not going to go deep, we got to buy a bunch of different solutions. It's going to cost us a fortune. Everybody says, hey, look, we've got too much software already. We need to narrow the stack. So I think we're going to see this phase of consolidation. We're going to have actually fewer apps going forward rather than more. We kind of went from in-person to a kind of this unbundled million different kinds of apps. And now we're going to start to see a, a bundling, right? Bill.com, Bot Divi, et cetera. These apps are going to bundle, 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 bundle more and more. So we're going to get down to a really tight stack again, right? We're, we're going to move up to the adult swimming pool and everybody there is going to be professional swimmers and they're going to be better rather than the kiddie pool with all of the apps that are trying to vie for all of your attention, you know? So yeah, melee, it's a lot of splashing. So mm -hmm. a lot of splashing. So Chris, thank you for joining us today. I think any listener that's made it this far, if you can subscribe and leave a review, that would be dope. So tell us, tell listeners how they can find Lissio or how they can find you. If you want to check us out, we're at Lissio.me, L-I-S-C-I-O.me. And you can always drop me a note if you want to ask questions. You can actually even send me an email if you want. Chris, C-H-R-S, at Lissio.me. I uh, would love to talk to you. That's awesome. You know what? The last guest we had was, was Roger Harris, the president of Paget, And he wanted to leave his email address and Ackerman stopped him. Like, I don't think that there will be a world without email, but maybe it's a world where we're a lot more controlled with our email, a lot more intentional. And that was, that was great. Appreciate it, Chris. I'm going to go leave a review. Leave a review, even if it's bad. If it's no, no, bad, no, just no. direct it at Akram. Yes. Good reviews. Do a bad good reviews. We don't want bad reviews. He doesn't want any Don't bad. leave a battery. That's not good.